Welcome on in. Enswell Boxing, Ireland's boxing podcast. I'm Al Rich. Click on the link in the attached show notes. You'll find all our previous episodes. If you want to get in touch, suggestions, ideas, you'll find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or you can email us at endswellpod at protonmail.com. Ah, yes. You are, as always, welcome on in. And it is, as always, a privilege and a pleasure to be in your ears for this episode. Silly season continues. It's weird, it's wacky, it's wondrous, it's wildly silly season. What are you talking about? Come on with me, let's find out. I speak, of course, of not a virus, not a pandemic, not Brexit, no soft or hard exits. I'm talking about the WBC and their recent announcement that Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. will now be for the WBC Front Line Championship belt. Now, as if the franchise title wasn't bad enough. The Mayan belt for Fury versus Wallen was, was, was pretty bad. The shameful WBC money belt was tragic at very... At, at, it was just pure tragedy. The Lopez Matios belt for the Kalovkin Canelo fight beyond tragic. And this latest quote unquote strap will of course have the very thought inducing and emotive Black Lives Matter blazoned all across the front of the green belt. And it'll ensure that they cadge their usual share of the spoils. Another little piggy nuzzling his way into the trough. <coughs> Sometimes I just can't help myself. Gotta have a pair of fun at it. Or you'll go mad. Coming up today, my featured guest, Tommy McCarthy. And he's a busy man this week. He's in demand. All angles and everywhere in the media. And rightly so. He's been a huge part of Irish boxing since his days in the high performance unit. And he joined me to talk about a lot of different things. It was just like, I need to do something to get this back going again. No matter how bad it was, it was never like, oh, I'm going to pack it in, I'm going to retire. Now I guessed, and I knew Tommy was going to be in demand this week, I knew most outlets would have him, because he's that story, he is that story, that rags to riches almost in boxing terms, where the career was almost over, but not quite, and he pulled it back, and now he's on the precipice of greatness. So I tried to vary the questions a little bit, and I got into some of the talk about the community, and how he rolled up his sleeves with his cohorts and his friends, and helped his community throughout the worst stages of lockdown. That's my community, that's my area, Lennadoo. It was, it was like falling apart during the, during COVID. And it was, in this time, kids shouldn't be like as sad as what they are. So all that and more is coming up in my interview with Tommy McCarthy. I've also got a, a short enough chat that I had with Manchester and half Irish at this stage, Kieran Farrell. Kieran, of course, coaches and trains mentors and his brother-in-law almost to Amy Timlin who will fight on the matchroom card as well on Saturday night for the Commonwealth title Bant- Super Bantamweight title and Kieran joined me from the bubble on Tuesday Wednesday night Tuesday night and chatted a little bit about Amy and about what it'll mean to the gym for her to win that Commonwealth title to get that belt I get a replica made and put it up 
on 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 the wall in the gym and show everything kid in the gym who comes to the gym and works off that this is from hard work and this is what we can achieve in the gym. So let's get on into it for more of that with some news, with some views and with some interviews. So let's open up this episode a little bit different. A little bit. Not entirely, but somewhat. Listen to a podcast the other day. It's, of course, the great Kev Byrne, uh, Rocky Road, where he speaks to some boxers of note from the past. Some who have been world champions, some who have been contenders, some who have just been fighting all their lives, striving. And the fella he had on on his most recent episode was a guy called Irish Pat Lawler. He's, of course, Irish heritage, born in America, reared in America, and boxed in America. It's a fascinating, real, genuine boxing story. He's boxed Wilfred Benitez. He's boxed Roberto Duran. He's boxed Terry Norris, Hector Camacho, Joe Calzaghe, Roberto Duran again. He's boxed them all. He's beaten some of them. He's lost to some of them. And sadly, Pat's now showing the signs of a life in a brutal sport. He is at early stages of... Parkinson's but he's very cognizant very very still very much so cognizant and he enjoys writing reciting poetry and I listened to the episode at times it's tough and it's sad and it's brutal as is this sport that we love but at the very very end and I had to message I messaged Kev about it and I'll tell you about it after this he recited a poem that he wrote now when you listen to it and realise and let it sink in for me it absolutely was like a depth charge. It just blew my mind when I thought about it, of all the things that come from it since. Here you go. Have a listen to Pat Lawler. Okay. When I sat around the school of mine so very long ago, never did it cross my mind that I would ever touch somebody so. But that was what was told to me long after I was done, while enjoying myself at a banquet, sipping a few beers and having some fun. The dinner I was attending was the World Boxing Hall of Fame, where people come to honor warriors and participants in this rough and crazy game. And while I was standing there, just drinking my beer and simply enjoying the night, I saw this beautiful woman walking towards me from across the room. And man, was she looking out of sight. Pat Lowen, she said, kind of shy and coy. I'm sure you don't remember me or even then my very young boy. But she said I but she told me I had signed him an autograph, given him a rubber stamp signing it to my good friend Diego, a future world champ. She said it had inspired her son, giving him confidence and prowess. She said, and by the way, his name he's here tonight and his name is Diego Corrales. I began to weep tears and then broke down and cried for it had been a tribute that brought me into this game to honor my good friend Merlin. There's too much in Pat's story for me to even attempt to compact it into a couple of minutes here of a summary. But what I will tell you is he boxed, as I said, all those Hall of Fame fighters absolute Hall of Fame possibly if not all most and uh, beat some of them as I said lost some of them but uh, he went on to explain why he, he spent so long in the game and then you hear in that poem and it's the very last thing you hear from him so what you realise then is that it was an, an autograph from Pat that inspired the great the absolute Hall of Fame standout amazing Diego Corrales to become a boxer. Diego Corrales finished up with a, a record of something like 40 wins, 5 the losses. He of course was involved in that just, there's no word, there's no word. it was almost like a movie, his fight with Jose, Lu, Jose Luis Castillo. He boxed the likes of Joel Casamayor, Clotty, 
He was in with Floyd Mayweather. He was in with so many others. Just a stellar, stellar career. And when you think that all that was inspired and came from an autograph from a Irish-American boxer, it is just special. So, shout out to Kevin. Thank you for letting me use that uh, clip. Shout out and big love and special warm wishes and the best of health to the man himself, Irish Pat Lawler. Something you'll hear me saying a lot of here is be real, keep it real, be realistic. And when you, when you, I suppose if you, without analysing, if you drill into it a little bit, not too far, what, what does that mean? What does, what does being real mean? Is it a thing of the past? Is it something that people and of other generations of Irish people that used to do without having to try? I think it is. Uh, for now, I believe, for many, it's a soundbite that's trotted out by some, n- not all, who want to portray a <laughs> mask, if you like, that they are something they're not. A mask because the truth, the reality, they don't like, or they don't really know what their truth is. They don't really know who they are, if, if, if in some cases. Being real doesn't mean the end of dreams. It doesn't mean give up on your dreams. No, quite the opposite. Some of the biggest dreamers are in fact so realistic at the back of it all, more so than any of us ever know. Now I know, I know 2020 can't be used as a yardstick or an accurate gauge for much, if anything. Or can it? Can it? I think the adversity, the chaos, the carnage, the chaos of uncertainty, the pain, anguish and all the rest has shown some very true colours. It's brought some real traits to the surface. And many who were wearing a metaphoric mask before the pandemic now allow their mask, allow their mask in the real world to slip as they struggle to adjust, to adapt. Maybe less or no money, no crowds to hide in, no status among those groups that they once thought they were the king of the hill. Recent repeated conversations with friends and acquaintances, um, parents, kind of highlight some of the things I suppose that would worry us the most would be mostly from a parent's point of view you're looking at how not so much the kids because I think you're going to hear Tommy McCarthy allude to that in a few minutes how kids really should be carefree for the most part but I think what you're seeing in those cases where kids aren't carefree is that they're coming from the adults it's coming from the parents who are just not coping or who are overburdening the kids with talk of Covid and virus and then the knock-on effect of all the fake media world and all the materialistic world that now starts to shine its light on Christmas and that shit show that that is allowed to be in some places. I'm not criticising, not at all. Just recognising. I don't want this to seem like I'm looking down on you. That's not at all. Not at all. It's just stuff that you see on a day-to-day basis that you wonder... When the hell is this going to clear? When is it going to pass? And, and, and the pandemic will pass. It will. It'll be gone. 
uh, for me, realistic and real means planning this year. Getting all the looks, ducks in a row. Putting stuff in place for immediate plans. Then maybe secondary and tertiary plans. Stuff that you'd like to eventually work towards and get to. But they will be a little bit further down the line. But in saying all that, if you don't have, as we've heard from Ali McKenzie in the past, if you don't have two or three of those things just sitting on the shelf, maybe not completed, not, they're not fully ready, but half there, almost there. It gives you that chance then. It gives you a little bit of a head start on many who have sat around whinging, moaning and bitching for the last few months. I've seen, I've seen boxers transform their lives over these last few months. I've seen them transform not just their style, their attitude, their application, but everything about their life over the last few weeks and months. And I'm not exaggerating. I'll, I'll, one day maybe I'll be able to show you the proof. I'll be able to show you the, the footage. Because I've seen it. And I know for a fact. I know it to be true because the people I speak of, I know. Personally. Life after this year, for them, will be better than it was coming into it. And that's that's beyond doubt. But we've seen levels of delusion, I suppose, rear their head over the last few weeks and months. Boxers jettisoning coaches, jettisoning promoters. Getting, like, just bewildering behaviour in a business that really relies on... Surrounding yourself in people who know the business, who know how it works, who know to watch the pitfalls, what to expect, what not to expect. Fighters pricing themselves out of the market. And then you've got others who maybe get a result or two under their belt and they expect the whole world to change right on that result. That doesn't really happen. It doesn't really happen. When you see people like today's guest, Tommy McCarthy, who has put an absolute lifetime, his whole life, into his career and only in the last 12 to 18 months has he seen a change and even still he's been realistic he's got his feet into the ground he knows what he's got to do but still you get some as I said fly by night get a result here or there and they expect everything to change drop and people to chase them but it's not real as I mentioned earlier first guest on this episode is a fellow who's been with me plenty of times here uh, built up a great little connection with him always great crack listening and watching and he's of course Kieran Farrell he opened not so long ago and announced the opening of his Irish branch of his promotional company Kieran Farrell Promotions and he is due to get that up and running and put it into action fairly fairly soon but this time he joined me to talk a little bit about his new podcast which you'll find on YouTube with the link in today's show notes he talks about some of his fighters who are preparing for some big fights but the biggest of whom, whom of course is Amy Timlin who goes into the who is in the bubble right now preparing for her Commonwealth Super Bantam title fight in the matchroom card in Wembley Arena on Saturday night now there's few little layers to this story but I'm going to let Kieran talk and tell us all about it and see what exactly this event and this win will mean for Kieran Farrell and the People's Gym yeah, I mean, it's going to evolve into a podcast What I sooner rather than later, but as it is, is because I've been busy as well. I just said, look, I'm going to get it started. I'm going to get it started last week. Um, everyone's been asking me to do Brew and Biscuits still, so I wanted to do it. And um, 
I got it started, but I'm going to start as a YouTube video to start off. We had it good, uh, edited very well the other day, and um, we're, we're going to get another show on for hopefully next week. Well, you got to get sponsored for the tea. You got to get sponsored for the biscuits. You got to get Jesus, mate. You're got, you're, you've hit a proper one here now. But uh, no, the content, yeah. the concept, and your co-host talk to us about him because we all got a brief glimpse of him a couple of weeks ago. And mate, it's funny. You know what? I actually shared to the Instagram story there. He, he would make it. I put him on live before. His brother, it walks than candy. What he was trying to shout out for sponsorship. That's his brother's company, and they make lollipops and that. Yeah. So like, obviously, he's from Blackpool. They do candy and lollipops and uh, bars of rock and stuff like that so that's what they do and they were actually he actually took us behind the scenes in his back garden in the garage where they make it all mate so no way, yeah really but, yeah yeah mate, <laughs> mad how, it, how it's made to be fair when you watch it you know what i mean and you've got a sweet tooth so that's not a great idea is it <laughs> i know mate i'm sat here mate i've got an empty pack of biscuits here so, <laughs> you're not hamming it up when you say that it's been busy you're starting off with ben reddings and then you've got connor lynch well, I'm starting off with Eamon Simlin, Commonwealth title this Saturday. Then I've got Ben Ridings 10 days later in uh, Ultimate Box competition. Now, he's the dark horse and he'll be the least favourite and his odds will be uh, it'll be big odds. But I'll be honest, Alan, this is my missing my Kieran Farrell promotions tip for you all now, yeah? That Ben Ridings has been sparring Callum Smith uh, in the build-up for this and... You know, you've got to be some sort of special fighter to even last in the rounds with Ben uh, with uh, Callum Smith. And Ben Ridings is going in there and giving him good spars and it's good work and he's actually been invited again tomorrow to spar more rounds. And Callum actually said to Ben last time he sparred, he said, look, you got better and better each time, you know what I mean? So Ben's giving him uh, all he can. We've got um, Conor Lynch, uh, 6-0 welterweight, fighting on um, 21st of November. It's going to get announced soon. Conor Slate has helped me get that one. Uh, Conor Slate works with a lot of Irish fighters, uh, a lot of O'Rourke's gym, and uh, he's helped me get that one, so I've got like, a shout-out to Conor Slater. So do you sleep at all, Kieran? Where, where, where do you get to put your head down and get a bit of sleep? Hey, you know what, mate? I don't, I, I'll be honest, like, it's mad because I don't I, I don't actually need much sleep and I've still got all this energy, mate. It's mad. Yeah, mate. Listen, I'm your brother. I'm your brother, and I hear this. And you know what? This is This is really... This is the time we need to be hearing these stories because it's a, there's a lot of people are choosing and making choices now. We can make excuses. We can choose to make make plans. And mate, when I spoke yeah. to you back in the middle of it all, when it was all still very new, you were inspiring yeah. people. You were you were invigorated. You were determined not to let it get you down. You didn't let it get you down. Neither did I. And we, I'm just about finished building my own studio. Yeah. You're finished building yeah. dreams. You're about to take these two lads, whatever way the results go for them. They're getting yeah. I mean, Callum Smith, as you said, they don't entertain fools. They don't. They can't, and that brings us nicely to to this part of it. Because anyone that's not aware, Kieran is coach, and and um, should we say almost family? You know what? I call a sister. Yeah? I go, yes, that's it, sister. For anyone that's not aware, it's a uh, Nathan. Of course, is we all know and love is is Kieran's brother, and his yeah. his girlfriend is Amy Timlin, and Amy, yeah. she's. What can I say about her? She's very quiet. She's unassuming. She doesn't say a whole yeah. lot. I've reached out to her a few times. So, and having said all that, how in the good name of God she manages to handle yourself and Nay at the same time? She must. Nah, have, she's, uh, look, she's the mate, quiet I, assassin I, I think, she is. I think, I, you know what? <laughs> I we like. I'm like me and Nathan. I'm we like chalk and cheese, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if I, I'm, I'm just fucking. I'm loud and and Nathan's pretty quiet, but talk to us a little bit about her, Kieran. She's representing you, your gym. She's representing herself, her family, <laughs> women's boxing. I hate saying women's boxing because. Since Katie Taylor took over yeah. here on this island, to me it's been boxing. 
whether it's yeah. it, you don't need to say women's boxing and then Amy Timlin that's the way I said so it's boxing but she's, yeah, she's well, coming well, into a scene now that is absolutely alive in and around that weight division she's in this is a big step up for her isn't it it's her first a big step up yeah but you know what I'll be honest um, I I think all these girls are getting after, after to step up early in that just just for the sake of um, yeah. the title fights coming up early like Terry Harper steps up in her fifth fight it's Amy's fifth fight. She's going to fight for a Commonwealth title. Um, I, I'm not. I'm not into. Um, I'm not into rushing nobody. She'll pick this title up. She's not. She's. She's not actually a super bantamweight. She's more of a bantamweight. But the title's vacant. The girl who she's fighting is more of a bantamweight as well. So it's perfect for them both to actually go in there without having to kill themselves to cut weight and make weight. They'll be all both on the weight naturally and. Um, we should that should make for a better fight itself because they're not actually have to kill themselves to make the weight either of the girls uh, all joking aside and all messing aside coach fighter relationship how, when, how did it come about and when, how long is she with you at the gym and, and, and how, how much progression have you seen in her over that time well it's mad mate because I'll be honest Alan yeah I don't normally like a video on Facebook I'm not, not, I'm not that guy who goes like liking videos of people on Facebook but like I seen some fucking some, something very good, and I was like, I, "She looked Kate, like Katie Taylor in a bag. She was whacking this bag, it was bending in half." And I was like, "Wow, she's got." And I actually commented to put Katie Taylor S. That's all I put Katie Taylor S. Like just to say, like that's very similar to Katie Taylor. That. And she added me on Facebook, and then she sent me advertising my brother's fight. Um, her and my brother got chatting. Um, she come and supported our Nathan's fight. They bought she, she actually bought two VIP tickets to my brother's fight, which was a lot of money. They were like two hundred and fifty quid a ticket. So as a as 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 a thank you, as a brother, I uh, as our Nathan's brother, I wanted to say thank you to this girl who's bought two tickets for five hundred pound to come and watch our, our Nathan fight. And um, I, I texted uh, I said to Nathan, I said, look, message her and say, come up to the gym tomorrow. I'll do a bit of pad work with her seeing as though she's there, you know what I mean? She don't need any gear or anything. Like, I've got it all in the gym and that, you know what I mean? So she can come up and do a bit of pad work with me. And um, she come up and done the pad work and it really gelled, mate. It gelled really well. And, like, every day since she come up and um, she stays up here, she travels up on a train now on a Monday, uh, Monday by, morning by herself, gets here for Monday tea time. Uh, stays at she gets sponsors pay for an hotel, uh, stays at the hotel for four nights a week, and then goes home on a Friday a Friday morning. So you know uh, I can't ask for any more dedication than naive. You know what I mean? So uh, as far as fight or coach relationship, she does everything she's asked to do, um, and she um, she's a pleasure to work with, mate. You know what I mean? She doesn't she doesn't try and back chat at any time. Never had a crossword of her. She listens to me. And and just the progression I've seen with her, um, massive mate, massive massive progression. The amount that Dave Caldwell knows about boxing, I would safely say he's forgotten more than most people ever knew. And then yeah, you've got your experience coming from a fighter's corner. That lady going into the ring on Saturday night could not ask for a, for any more experience. What stands out to you guys from everybody else is you guys are about your fighter. You're not about pushing her in there to fight, just to make that fight. Yeah. What will this mean, Kieran, for Amy to take that belt back to the gym? Not just for Amy herself. This is what I'm saying, because like, I mean, from a, a, my own selfish point of view, um, I, I said to Amy on the way up, or talking to the lads who were taking us up here, I said, look, I don't know what this means for Amy. I know it's going to mean a lot for her, and I know it's going to mean for a lot, but she's pretty quiet. She doesn't really talk, and she doesn't really say a lot, you know what I mean? So I don't actually know what, and she sat here listening to it. She sat she sat there listening to this in the back seat. I said, 
personally, I don't know what it means for Emma. I know that it's going to be massive for her, and I know that it's going to be a massive step in her career, and she's going to be coming to a champion. But for my own personal point of view, not for myself, uh, but for my gym, to get that belt, I get a replica made and put it up on, on, on the wall in the gym and show every fucking kid in the gym who comes to the gym and works the bollocks off that this is from hard work and this is what we can achieve in the gym. For every kid who comes in the gym to see that, she's an inspiration. So she, she it's a massive thing for the gym. And it, it, obviously, as a person, a human being, and being able to be part of all this and look to show kids, like, this is what we can do. This is what we can do. And I'll be honest, Alan, you, you, no one's seen the best of what I've got coming. No one has actually seen the best of what I've got coming. I've got, like, these top fighters. We've got Ben Ridings. You've got... Um, uh, Amy Timlin, you've got Conor Lynch, you've got these fighters coming through, mate. But you know what? One thing what I can say is that I'm training these fighters, yeah? They've come from a different background in boxing, so they've come from, like, uh, other gyms, they've come from all over, and they've ended up being with me for professional. So I've had Conor Lynch for five years, now. I've had Ben Ridings for about four or five years, and I've had Amy one year now, yeah? And you'll be able to see us on Saturday night when I come on my title. i let you go after this bit, but what, for, for yeah. you... As they go to the ring on Saturday night, as, as you do those final preparations, as you do what you do every other day in the gym and every other day in sparring, what what are the things that you will you'll you'll be keeping an eye out for? For it's on pay per view TV. She's a huge title on the line. It's a big event. It's a funny one because I'll be honest, yeah. I, I even I, went, I go to bed thinking about shit like this, and I do know like I not said it to her because I will never say it to her to her face, uh, Ama. But I know that Ama is a special talent. I know she's a special talent. Even though it's as big as it is, it's pay-per-view, it's Chisora, Usyk undercard, it don't really get as big as that. Like in the UK right now, for her, she's just taking it all into a stride. And and you know what What the, the difference is with um, uh, a remarkable fighter and a special talent is that they don't really get phased by this shit, just do it. Larger than life, brutally honest, and knows knows this game inside out. As I said to him earlier on, when Amy makes that walk on Saturday night when she's ticking boxes, she can do so safe in the knowledge that Kieran Farrell has tread those steps before her. He knows every little eventuality that will face her on that walk. And what he doesn't, the few things that he may not, you've got Dave Caldwell right behind him. So all I can do is wish them the very best when you consider that the gym only opened its doors in 2013, which is a little under seven years ago. And you consider the massive strides that they've made. The amount of, again, we look beyond belts, we look beyond titles, we look beyond glory and we look at what it's doing for the community in the area. And that, of course, was mirrored and recognised when Kieran was awarded the a Queen's Honour on her birthday, I believe, in 2016 or thereabouts. So to the whole lot of them, to Amy herself, to Dave, to Kieran, to me, who's going to be sitting at home watching, probably biting the nails, good luck to you all. It's a fabulous story and I cannot wait to see you on the other side and get a few words from the champ herself. I want to take you back a little bit. I spoke two weeks ago about my recent partnering with the brand new Belfast boxing brand, Violent Gentleman. And I, just to give you a little bit more detail on it, since the start the inception of this podcast, I guess my aim, hope, has been to find some relative but com- compatible advertisers. People who I could work with, liaise with and bounce off on a daily basis. 
not not to be tormenting or not to have them in my ear or I in theirs. Manny talked big. Manny promised lots. Ultimately, haven't lived up. Haven't stepped up. But, violent gentlemen, this one, this one's special. And it's special to me, in my opinion, because the concept, the brainchild of the owner, the manager, the designer, the chief bottle washer, and every other job title that goes is Ross Brown. Now, if you think my plans, my hopes and dreams are big, and my goals are wide, well, wait till you hear from Ross. And you will, you will. You'll hear from Ross in the next episode or so. But what really jumps out at me is, is the idea for this Violent Gentleman brand. It's simple. The devil is in the detail. And the detail is to design, create a range of leisure and training wear aimed specifically, solely, the boxing fraternity. Now, I can't give away too much. I, I just can't because I'll be, I'll be shot. <laughs> uh, but the idea is solid. It is very solid. Uh, there's so many concepts. There's so many layers. There's so many different to be rolled out eventually. But the flagship range is very, 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 very unique. And I think you're going to... I think most will agree when they see it, if you haven't already. It's it's it, it's something just boxing about it. And for a city that is setting new levels all the time in boxing, that's raising the bar all the time, it deserves its own brand. The fighters love it. The fans will love it. And I love it. And we'll soon have a couple of bits to run a couple of competitions and give them away and maybe, maybe, if you're good see how that goes but it's really brilliant to be part of the collaboration with Violent Gentlemen and I didn't want it to slip by without just reminding you of it I'm going to put the links to their page in today's show notes, there's also a new shop that's opened up there so Christmas is coming down the line, it's not that far away and I know I fucking hate saying that I hate saying it so early but it's true so if you wanted something simple like a beanie hat or a baseball hat or a t-shirt or a hoodie or the whole lot, get on there and have a look. I think you're going to be impressed. I know you're going to be impressed. And one of the features and one of the one of the benefits of collaborating with the guys is over the next episodes, each month I'm going to have a violent gentleman, maybe featured guest of the month. And what we'll do is we, we'll get them on and we'll speak with them. And that's kicking off today. So that of course is Tommy and... Uh, you're going to see and hear a lot more from these guys over the coming weeks. So keep an eye out for them. Click the show, click the link in the notes. Go and have a look. Get in touch and let me know what you think. And we'll see what we can do for you over the next couple of days and months. And that rounds it nicely up to the feature part of the episode. Most, if not all, know Tommy McCarthy's story. He's a decorated amateur. His pro has been a kind of stop start up until about 18 months ago or thereabouts. To say he served his apprenticeship and paid his dues is um, is is an understatement. He's worked with the likes of Bradis, he's worked with Bellew, many, many others he's, as a sparring partner. And he's now stepped out of those shadows. Uh, there were times in that career where you'd scratch your head and you'd be trying to figure this immense talent. The talent is almost as big as himself. And he is a big unit. But it just hadn't yet been realised. It hadn't delivered. And then... As you'll hear him talk, he clicked. 
He met Mark Dwimlop, and the rest is history in the making. His media presence has grown over the last 12, 18 months, which is brilliant. It's fitting. When you hear how he played second fiddle to, and not out of any badness or anything to do with the lads around him, but their profiles and their, their achievements in the sport were a little bit more advanced than his at that time, but not anymore. He now takes his rightful place, rightfully, the big man, the top of the tree. And it's uh, it's brilliant to have him back and to hear him talk about Now, I started off with the usual questions, I guess, about the build-up and about camp and how many, how it all went for him. But I knew this week he was going to be inundated. I knew he was going to be on pretty much every outlet that was worth its salt. So I tried to vary the questions a little bit. I tried to mix it up. I tried to go from an angle that maybe Manny wouldn't have. And I I don't know how they because I haven't listened. But I spoke to him, of course, about his beloved community in Lenadoon and where he rears now his, his, his known absolutely adorable family and where, where Amy. And, and listen out as well for the, for the lovely tribute he pays to herself and to all of them. So... Without any more delays and without any more fanfare, or he doesn't need me blowing bubbles up his ass because this man is well able to stand on his own record. It's the Big Mac himself, Tommy McCarthy. Everything's been brilliant, and I can't like I haven't got any any negatives. Like every, every box has been ticked, and it's just the camp's been perfect. I want to take you back, but I spoke to you in November two thousand and eighteen, and you just finished with your previous management. You were at a safe to say a crossroads disillusioned a little bit concerned and anxious was was there ever a danger of that being looking at it now could that have been the end when I look back I'd never it's like it, I don't know what kept me kept me going but there was never a thought of it being the end ever it was just like I need to do something to get this back going again like I never thought no matter how bad it was, it was never like, oh, I'm going to pack it in, I'm going to retire. To see you then join up with who I believe now and, and who boxing is starting, I, I would have said he's probably one of boxing's greatest secrets. and It's not anymore, but Mark Dunlop, what he's done for other fellas and, and to get your career now on the path, it's it's spectacular, isn't it? Mark is just the best manager in boxing and nobody can deny it. And I'm proof, James Townsend's proof, Paul Halen's proof. Eric Donald, like, if you look at Eric, Eric was crying out for the opportunity to fight for a belt on a big show. And he signed with Mark, his first fight, fight camp, RBF title. And, you know, he gave a good account from, for, of himself. And he, he, didn't, he lost the fight, but he's going to get another opportunity. The way he explained it to me, Tommy, and, and I've heard him do it in, in the episode you did with Ali, Mark's approach was, I can get you the fights, but you have to win them. And that's so, what he said to me when I met him. He says, look, I get the opportunities, but you have to fight. What happened was, me and Tyrone went into a coffee shop, and um, Mark was in there, and he was having a meeting with someone, and uh, he shouted over. Tyrone had just fought. It was a tough fight. All Tyrone's fights were tough. And he says, he says, uh, fuck's sake, Tyrone, uh, what's going on? Like, you're not going to, you're not going to get a handy one. Like, you should have a hard one and an easy one and then a hard one and then an easy one. Do you keep going in for 50 50s? Tyrone's like, ah, oh, yeah, I know, I know. And then he says to me, I'll have you champion in no time. No, like, just like we all found remark. And then probably about a year later, 
that same coffee shop as for me and him met. And um, I says, Mark, same as you do with James, do with Paul Hairland. What do you do the same for me? Because I believe I'm as good as seasons. And I want to win. And I told him, I want this belt, I want this fit, I want blah, blah, blah. And he just says, look, I can do it all for you, but just leave it up to me. If I spoke to you that November, I think it was the following February, then the news came, the React Poor fight. And that didn't ultimately go the way we planned. But I loved the clip this week with Ali McKenzie, where you said, that's not going to happen again. Obviously, I had a couple of days of being down, but it it wasn't like I wasn't in a deep depression or anything. I when I go back to the, the changing room, I was sitting there with Mark, Tony Dunlap, and three more cousins, and I says, "Lads, I said them packing it and they're all no, don't say it, don't listen." Don't be saying anything. Don't make decisions like that. Um, <coughs> can't make a decision like that right now. Listen, just relax and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, no, no. Seriously, that's me finished. That's me finished. But then after about three or four days, Mark phoned me and he says, oh, I've, got the, I've got a plan to get you back. Come up and see me. But before he'd phoned me, I already in my mind was like, this is what's going to happen. I text him. As he texts him and says, Mark, that's never happening again. As, as he said himself earlier on, it would be the case where you get a tough one, then you then you, then you you ease your way back into it again, and then you go, that didn't happen. One of the big things he goes when he's, because as I said to him, he's approached by fighters left, right and centre, and you can't take them all. He said the biggest thing for him is how people react in adversity and how they respond. Your response was, but the fight, how that came about with Tarachi in Italy. and When you, when you get stopped, you're out for 28 days. So I think it would might have been the flipping 29th day that I fought on Mark's show. And, um, but I had to start training anyway because I was like, listen, I don't ever want that ever to happen again. I want to make sure that I can get the, a winning spree going back again as soon as possible. So Mark had this show and while I was training, I got an offer to go into uh, what do you, there was like a prize fighting oh, ultimate, ultimate fighter boxer, was it? ultimate boxer yeah so uh, I was going right the fuck this will be a good opportunity like, and Mark was saying if you go if you go in this if you win that that's you straight back to where you should be and it's great um, TV exposure and blah 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 so I was really seriously considering it, but then I always looked at Praise Fader and not only not good competitions as last chance saloon. Mm-hmm. I was going like I'm only twenty eight. I know I've got so much left in the tank. Like this this shouldn't be the end of me. And and it's and it's like such a risk game damn things. Like anyone could win them. And um so I says to Mark, nah, do you know what? I'd rather just wait and see if I get an opportunity for something. Take this handy fit on his show and see if something pops up. Fought the fellow who had fought in February. Stopped him in three rounds. And then Mark sent me away to the Denmark to spar with a fella. And um, I was there. I think it was there for three weeks maybe. And then while I was there in that camp, um, Mark got a call from Turkey's camp 
offer me the fit. So he phoned me and he says, don't be saying anything to anyone. But you've got the offer here. Fight him for the WBC international title. And that gut feeling, has that something that's been with you from... Because I love the clip with your original amateur coach. It's, it, there's there's some very beautiful moments in this brutal sport. That's that same feeling that you've had from the jump, isn't it? Your gut never lets you down, but a lot of times you, like, you let people talk you out of how you feel. So, in terms of like Fabio Tucci, I'd watch them. Because like, I, I keep an eye on everything, what's happening in the cruiser at the division. Anyone who has a belt, I always look at them and know like to see if I had beat them. And um, so I looked at him, and he he been on my radar. So when Mark says about him, I was like, "Yes, I'll definitely beat him." And he says, "Are you hundred percent sure?" I know you can't beat him, but I want you to be like hundred percent certain because it was going to be the fight was going to be in four or five weeks. And um, so he says, "So while you're in that camp, make sure you're just training flat out, do everything you can." So um. We took the fight and then everything just, everything just fell into place nicely. Cause when I got to Italy, he pulled out. So that gave me even more time. I got a wee handy fight and, and, and that was good. That was good to have two warm up fights after like such a devastating loss. Get my feel back, get my mojo back and then give me more time to prepare for the title fight. The risk versus reward in that fight. The risks were. They were, I'd say it was equal because the risk of a loss at that point in the career after the one probably could have been devastating for you but the reward was where we are now, isn't it? Exactly. So I knew that there was so much riding on that fit. If I had a lost, I don't think I would have retired but I would have had to become a journeyman. Like, going in that fit, I was an opponent. Like So... If I had a lost, I would have had to become a full-time opponent. Mm. Like now, I'm in the home corner here on this bathroom show. Like I'm in the A side. You're one of Eddie's boys. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But had I lost that, I would have been like getting a short notice called. Like it would have been like your back's against the wall. Oh, can you fight in two weeks? Can you fight next week? And that's no way to see. Not to blow my own trumpet, but for the much talent mm. and that I have, like that is not the road I should be on. Do you know what I mean? So, and that's not the road I want to be on. So, the thirty fight was everything. Like my whole career depended on that win, and that's why I, I got with Pete because I said to myself, "I am not gonna sell myself short here for the sake of convenience." I need to go and work with Pete Taylor, who I know, get out of my comfort zone and make sure that there's no excuses. I can't walk away from this touchy fight saying, I should have went and trained with Pete. I should have done this, I should have done that. So I made sure that I left no stone unturned in a payroll. Your amateur career was, was safe to say, it was big. The stature and the respect and everything that you gained in that in that unit and in in the um, in your time there was was reflected in comments from the likes of Tony Bellew and those in the build up to the React profile. Bellew's approach to the cruiserweight division was always the same as you. He, if it moved, he knew who it was, where they were, what they were doing. Is that just something you've always done, or would that be stuff you've picked up from? Because you were a big part of his camps, you're a big part of of a lot of other pros. But his advice to you was not to become a sparring partner, wasn't it? 
see the sparring partner life. It is the good. It is a good life for it because it's handy money. You're traveling around the world. You're sparring with like the big names, guys who you you look up to, and you're getting all this experience. If you go into a camp outside of scenery, so say I went away for two weeks, and the sparring days are Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. That's all you do. You go around, you spar in three days. The other days, you don't do anything. You don't have to train when they train, so you can do anything you want. You relax, go sightseeing. You can go out like, and then usually there's other sparring partners there, so you might do three rounds, get out for three rounds, get in for another three, or like. So it's such a handy way that they live. And you're still like involved in boxing, and you just it's 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 no it's no way to live if you want to be a champion because you get used to the easy life. You don't have to work hard, and you just get into bad habits. So it was that even like after the rag forfeit, that says the mark. Listen, I'm never going sparring again because I I'm not a sparring partner. I'm a contender. And he says, right, that's no problem. But then, obviously, I went sparring again in Denmark. But my uh, my view on that was, even though I was there for his camp, this is my camp. I'm going to use this yeah. for me, for my own game. And the good thing, too, was I was the only sparring partner when I went there. So I had to do all the rounds myself. And in the days that he trained, like I'd done his camp with him for three weeks. All of that and all the experience and all the good and bad that went before went into that fight in Italy that night. And it was a fight of, it had everything. He tried everything. I looked at a little photograph just before it rang you there and it's a view with the arms folded, the belt around your waist, Pete standing beside, or Mark standing beside you and you look like the coolest cat on the block. What were the immediate feelings? It's just, it was like such like a relief, like big weight just off my back. To finally get a belt, to finally be a champion, and to do it like on the on the main stage and top of the bill and all that stuff, it was just finally like so many times in my career was like almost happened, and something for one reason or another, like it didn't. So this is it. Finally, like finally done it. So just it was just like that's what it was. It was relief. You keep pretty illustrious company. Obviously, you've got your beautiful family. The Belfast being what it is, it's the it's the home of boxing on this island in Europe. I believe I've said before we're the Cuba of Europe. Um, mm. It must be a little like there's there's so many you've Paddy, you've got Carl, you've got Mick, you've got all those lads, the two Tyrones, fellas that are just dripping in titles and an accomplishment. But to go back home. Uh, with that green belt around your waist and now be one of those champions coming out of that city of champions. How was that feel? It was great, like, because they're all my friends and they're all, as you said, they're all, everyone, they're all doing bits, they're all wearing belts and topping shows in it and they all know how good I am because they're with me in the gym and came through the same... Like Chris Suter said to me, I fought on a Friday night, got home Saturday morning, and then there was a show on Saturday night. 
and he asked me to come down and bring the belt. And Chris Shooter was doing the ring announcer. And he says to me, he says, Tommy, I'm so happy for you. It's always been Patty and Mick at the front, and you're always just there in the background. But now, after last night, there's only one man in the driving seat, and that's Tommy Mick. Mm. And then I, I was like, you know what? It just feels good to be, like, shoulder to shoulder with my friends now, because even in, in the amateurs, it was like Patty and Mick were the Olympians, and I was the boxer, but I wasn't the Olympian. And when we used to go out drinking and stuff, it used to do my head in that if, if it was just us three, it would do my head in because then it, as people got drunker, they'd come over and start talking to them and ask for pictures and I'd be standing there on my own. Sure. So if it was only three of us, I was like, I don't want to go unless there's somebody else going it. So when the public come and want to talk to them, I'll have somebody to stand with. That's incredible. That's incredible. But like after, after I, then... After I had done in, in in Italy, when me and Paddy go out there, people talk to us like in equal measure. And then even the week after, me and Paddy went for lunch and um, we went into the in the Morrison's Week Cafe and everyone was calling them, Tommy, fire play, we're brilliant. And they just ignored Paddy. And that was the first time ever in my life that that had happened. It's not just boxing. It's boxing is the biggest part of it. But bringing home that blue belt again, it's just another step up. It's another level up. But before we get on to that part of it, brilliant twist was the work that you did with the youth club in Lenadoon and, and throughout the lockdown, which was a really, really, really tough time, particularly for young people who get left behind sometimes in people's thoughts. It was kind of. That was the youth club you used to go. Yeah, to. yeah. So that's my community. That's my area, Lenadoon. And um, I still live there this day. It was good to try and raise awareness, but it was heartbreaking the, mm. that it was actually happening. You know, like the the young people of my community were struggling mentally. And, you know, they were in, in the youth centre, because obviously I don't go anymore. Uh, my oldest wee girl used to go, but she, she stopped going to it. She, and... Um, is that your fault? <laughs> no, no, it's not my fault. She just, she just grew out of it, came. Yeah. And um, but so I, I didn't really know what was going on in the club, and then like there was, like, I can't remember the exact number, but there was a a high number of families who were going around to collect food. It was a food bank, and like it was just like the community was. It was, it was like falling apart during the, during COVID and it was just, it was kind of hard to accept. So I was glad that I was able to use my, my small platform to try and raise awareness and, and then that led to getting more people involved and they were able to hit the targets. And, you know, they, they, I said this, like, in this time, kids shouldn't be, like, as sad as what they are. Because like there's never been a better time to be alive. Like everything's at your fingertips, everything's convenient. Um, like it's just, and and like I remember when I was young, like I lived with my grandparents, and they used to tell me about how hard it was when they were young, and my parents how hard it was when they were young, and like everything's like 
elevated every year. So mm-hmm. even from uh, my generation, the my children's generation, like life is so much easier. But mentally, the kids are just struggling, and it, the the big thing is the phones and social media. Because when I was a kid, I had a carefree childhood. Like I never, we all lived like. It, fun like all my memories of being a kid are all fun like yeah. playing football and running about the streets and you know like having to get called in like I always remember like my granda coming down to bring me in because like I was I was staying out past my curfew like it was, I loved being out in the street even like I would go out on my own and just kick a ball against the wall or like hit a hurling ball against the wall just always wanted to be outside but now and 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 obviously you didn't have to worry about but now like kids they're they're worried about selfies and how many likes and they're just on the phone so much and i think that is a big a big thing where they're a lot more struggling with mental health yeah, it definitely but, is a like like based existence. It's yeah. how many likes can they get for this, that, and the other. And then the other point, when you're a hands on dad, anyways, and when you get then on the level, is it harder to relate when they're not your own kids, or is it easier when when you? It's all the same because, like I said, like I, I was doing youth work for, um, about a year and a half when when Bottoms quit, and um, I really enjoyed it. And, and in my mind, I'm still a kid. Like I. Uh, I know I'm mature and obviously, but I I can still identify with yeah. like I I can remember clearly what it was like yeah. being a teenager. Like I can, so I can relate to them and 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 then it's like I don't I, don't, I find it easy to talk to kids and get them to open up. I remember when we were just like hitting our hitting our twenties and in my friend group and like one of my friends was. Like just when people do this, they just age before their time. Or like they get on like as if they're old. Oh, I'm getting too old for to carry on. You're only twenty three. What are you talking about? And then even it's just all in the mindset, isn't it? Yeah. So, so people, some people can't wait to grow up to be their like the to turn into their days, and then some people. Don't ever want to grow up, and they just want to stay alive and and fresh and young. So it's just really what people want to do. But to this week, fight week again. It, does it seem surreal, or does it just feel just feel right? I looked at your social media tonight. You've checked into the Hilton. You're looking about. You're 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 a home fighter. You're a matchroom fighter. WBC international champion, world ranked, and. You're about to become European champion. That blue belt. There's not many Irish fighters have had that blue belt. It's an absolute. It's 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 just maybe it's just a color. I don't know. Maybe, but all that put together, uh, you've still got a job to do. But it it must just feel. It must be that to follow to have followed that gut instinct way back, and now be there uh, with all that in play. How does it all weigh up, or, or are there things that you you allow yourself appreciate at the time? Feels good, you know. Feels this is where I belong and. It's like it doesn't feel. It's, it was always going to happen. Like I knew this is where it was always going to be, and I feel like this this came maybe a couple of years later than expected. But you know, at the end of the day, we're here, and I'm just I'm just buzzing. I'm 
just absolutely loving it. And to win this European belt, it's going to just, like, cement my name in Belfast boxing along with the, like, the, the, the legends. Like, nobody can ever take that away from me. European champion. Like, as you say, there's a lot of, a lot of fighters now because there's so many belts. Like, being WBC international champion isn't going to set me up there with the grids as the way being a European champion is. And, and as you know, and as you said, Belfast is a boxing city. The history so rich, so I want to be over. Before I let you go, a word, a final word, and and a, and a big one for for the matriarch, the lady who keeps the show on the road for you. It's a very special team. Team McCarthy is, it's as special as Daddy. As you say, she keeps the show going. She is the the one. I believe she was putting this earth for me. So I mean, that's that's my girl, and. She just does everything that you want from a wife to do, and I'm, she cooked all, all my all my food. She's like with the babies. The babies just sleep in my room still. So when they get up, she like makes sure I keep them quiet, makes sure I can get my rest. Makes like she just stays on top of everything with her to everything would unravel. So you know she's just a special person, and I'm just so grateful to have her in my life. Uh, yeah I think it's fair to say they're both special people who are building a very special family and a more than special boxing story so shout out to Amy as she holds the fort at home while the big man himself takes on Belgian Bilal Lagoon for the EBU Commonwealth title live on the undercard of Usyk versus Chisora on Saturday night Sky Sports watch out for a short preview later in the week that's it from me and them until then Joining us on next week's episode, Cork's finest, Spike O'Sullivan. Until then, stay safe, stay sane, and smile. And remember, all's well that ends well.